ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له اشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان اشرق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الحدي حدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محتداتها وكل محتده بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار اما بعد so we continue ايها الاخوه والاخوات حياكم الله وبارك فيكم with those lectures and that series that series of lectures that revolve around the topic of death the topic of the grave and the three questions that every single one of us will be asked in our graves a series of lectures uh, that we are continuing with and i believe we're in the fifth we're on the fifth part anyone remember what we did in the first lecture what did we cover in the first lecture the first part the very first lecture of this series who remembers the journey of the soul ahsant the journey of the soul we talked about the journey of the soul and that focused on the hadith that famous hadith that lengthy hadith we discussed that was narrated by the companion Farah ibn Azib mumtaz the second lecture the second part what did we cover the janaza workshop and so we in the janaza workshop we saw for ourselves here in this masjid we demonstrated by action how every person or every person who dies how he'll be washed how he'll be shrouded how he will be prayed over and we saw that step by step in detail the third part the third lecture of this series introduction. the introduction and the introduction of the imam the imam who whose book we were using to study these three questions what's the name, name of the book musa the three principles excellent in arabic thalathatul usul ahsant the three principles the three fundamental principles the three fundamental questions that every single person will be asked in the grave and in the, in, in the introduction the imam who's the imam muhammad ibn abdul wahhab rahimahullah he brought an introduction two introductions in the first introduction he talked about what he mentioned there are how many things are obligatory upon us four What's the first? Al-ilm, knowledge. Second, al-amalu bih, to act upon that knowledge. Third, da'wa. Da'wa awalan. Da'wa to that knowledge and to that action and Ibrahim. And then sabr. And then sabr. And then to have patience upon that. So you mentioned that that is obligatory upon every single muslim male and female to learn those four matters and he used as his proof surah al-asr surah al-asr and then he mentioned three more points a, a further introduction a second introduction which is very important for us to know before we study the three matters what did he mention as the first he mentioned another, another three points What was the first matter of those three points? First point. Hmm? Anyone? Anna Allah khalaqana wa razaqana wa lam yatrukna hamala bal arsala ilayna rasula Until the end of that first point, he mentioned that Allah created us and He provides for us. and he didn't leave us without purpose but rather he sent us a messenger and whoever obeys the messenger then he will enter jannah whoever disobeys the messenger then he will enter the fire 
The second point in that second introduction. Good. That Allah is not pleased that anyone is made as a partner with Him in His worship. The third point. The third point or the third matter. Mumtaz, Mumtaz. That the one who Annaman Apa'a Rasul Awahad Allah. The one who obeys the Messenger, Muhammad and whoever singles out Allah alone with worship, then it is not permissible for him or allowed for him to have friendship and allegiance with those who oppose Allah and His Messenger. And we discussed that in detail. In the last lecture, what did we discuss? First question, which is in Arabic, Marabuk. Marabuk. Who is your Lord? Marabuk. Who is your Lord? We mentioned that when the scholars they explain this, Marabuk, who is your Lord? That the intent behind it is not Man Khalikuk. Who is your creator? But the intent behind the question is what? Man? Ma'buduk. Ma'buduk. What or who was that object of worship that you used to direct your worship to? This is the intent behind the question in the grave, that first question. Man rabbuk? Meaning? Man ma'buduk. Not who is your creator, but the meaning is who or what was your object of worship. And so we continue and we know and we were reminded by the Imam that we have been created to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And he brought the ayah. وَمَا خَلَقَتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions, I did not create the jinn, nor mankind, except to worship me alone. And the Imam, he mentioned that the meaning of يَعْبُدُونَ in this verse is يُوَحِّدُونَ That they single me out alone. يُوَحِّدُونَ That they single me out alone. And this is what was narrated by Ibn Abbas. The great companion, that great companion and that great mufassir of the Qur'an. The one who used to explain the Qur'an. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu. He said that the meaning of ya'budun is yuwahidun. Yuwahidun, that they single out Allah alone. Bit tawheed. With tawheed. Wahhadu yuwahid. Tawheedan. That's the verb. When someone singles something out. And so we have been created for Tawheed. So the question is, what is this Tawheed? And in a bit more detail. Tawheed, when we say Tawheed, Tawheed is to single out Allah alone with three things. Tawheed, Tawheed, is to single out Allah alone with three things. The first is Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. Very important for us to, to remember this, for those who have already studied it, and for those who are beginners, and are in that early stage of learning the Islamic belief, and more specifically, our belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we say, my Lord is Allah. The first type of this Tawheed is Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, which is to single, single out Allah alone with His Lordship. What do we mean by His Lordship? Meaning, with those actions such as creating, providing, nurturing the creation, providing the creation with bounties and blessings. The one who gives life, takes life, 
the one who gives and takes, the one who arranges the affairs in the universe. This is what we mean by Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. That Allah, that we single out Allah alone with these things. The second Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah or Tawheed al-Ibadah. That means to single out Allah alone with His worship. With worship. The third Tawheed al-Asma' wa Sifat. Al-Asma' wa Sifat. To single out Allah alone with His names and attributes. If you want, you can say this in a slightly different way. The first Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, which means to single out Allah alone with His Lordship, then you can say it in another, in another way. You can say, to single out Allah alone with His actions. To single out Allah alone with His actions, bi'af'ali, with Allah's actions. Here in this category of Tawheed, we are singling out Allah with His actions. The action of creating, the action of providing, the action of giving life, taking life, of arranging the, the affairs in the universe. And so here, with these actions, the actions of Allah, then we single out Allah alone here. That it is only Allah that does these things. The second type of Tawheed, Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah or Tawheed al-Ibadah, then you can say, that this is to single out Allah alone, بِأَفْعَالِنَا With our actions. This is another way to look at it. That Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah or Tawheed al-Ibadah is to single out Allah alone with our actions. So Tawheed al-Rububiyyah is to single out Allah with His actions. Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah or Tawheed al-Ibadah is to single out Allah alone with our actions. And so... We single out Allah alone with our action of praying, salah, fasting, zakah, hajj, sadaqah, when we give sadaqah. When we perform all of those actions of ibadah such as dua, and with those actions of the heart such as khawf, and raghbah, and tawakkul, rahbah, and with tawbah, and with isti'ana, and isti'adha, and istighatha, we're going to look at those, those in a bit more detail. And the third type, Tawheed al-Asma'u wa Sifat, which is to single out Allah alone, with His names and attributes, then you can say that we single out Allah alone, with those names and attributes that came in the Qur'an and in the Sunnah. So when we say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Al-Alim, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Al-Alim, He is the All-Knowing, then we believe that He knows everything. He knows everything from those things that are seen and unseen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He knows everything. And so we single Him out alone with this name and attribute. This name of Al-Alim and the attribute of having perfect knowledge. That this belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And we don't say that so-and-so person knows the unseen. And so here now, if we were to say this, we would be making a partner with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so now we exit from Tawheed. We exit from Tawheed, which is a single out Allah alone. But soon as a person gives someone else or something else, this name and attribute that belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, then he exits from this Tawheed. And he falls into a shirk, which is the opposite of Tawheed. We don't make any partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in any of these three matters. And in actual reality, ayyul ikhwah, the most of the creation, the mushrikeen of old, they didn't reject the first category of tawheed. The, the mushrikeen of old, and we know in the Quran, many ayat where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions that the mushrikeen, the, the pagans of Mecca, that they believed it. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was their Lord. That if you were to ask them, who created you, who provides for you, who gave you life, who gives life and takes life, to whom belongs the heavens and the earth and everything that is in the heavens and the earth, say, Allah. They will say Allah. They believed in Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. But that is not enough to make someone a Muslim. But rather it is 
that Tawheed of Al-Ibadah and Uluhiyyah that makes a person Muslim. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the Prophets and the Messengers. Some of the A'imma, they made Tawheed into two categories. And they made Tawheed Al-Rububiyyah and Tawheed Al-Asma'u Sifat into one. However, as we mentioned, that the majority of the nations before did not reject Tawheed Al-Rububiyyah. But rather it was the Tawheed of Al-Uluhiyyah that they were misguided concerning. And so after mentioning how you should say when you're asked, Man Rabbuk, who is your Lord? The Imam, he said that you should say, Rabbi Allah, my Lord is Allah. So when the angels, when they ask you, who is your Lord? Then you are to say, my Lord is Allah. And he mentioned that you are to say, your Lord is Allah, the one who created you, the one who nurtured you with bounties and blessings, and the one who nurtured all of existence. And after mentioning that if this is the case, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone deserves my worship. That he, if He alone created you, and provided for you, and provides for you, nurtures you, then He alone deserves your worship. Now the Imam, he begins to bring some examples of worship. He, br- he begins to bring some examples of worship. Because we, we need to know what are the different types of worship. After we have known that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us for his worship, then we need to know what is this worship and what are its types. What is this worship that has this great station and position? Can there be anything that is more important than you learning what is worship and what are the types, the different types of worship? Is there anything more important than that? When it is worship that you and me, all of us, have been created for. There is nothing more important for you to learn and for you to know. This worship, we have been created for it. And so we need to know what is it. What is it and what are its types? Al-ibadah in Islam, worship in Islam is or has been described as ismun jami' A comprehensive word, a comprehensive noun, word that comprises of Everything that is beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. لِكُلِّ مَا يُحِبُّهُ اللَّهُ وَيَرْضَاهُ Everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves and is pleased with. مِنَ الْأَفْعَالِ وَالْأَقْوَالِ الظَّاهِرَ وَالْبَاطِنَةِ From the statements and actions, both inward and outward. Everything from your actions and your statements that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves and is pleased with, that is worship in Islam. Islam... In Islam, worship is not simply confining oneself to a masjid or to a place of worship and dedicating oneself to prayer. But in Islam, worship is every good deed. Every good deed that is pleasing to Allah. And so, prayer, fasting, charity, hajj, umrah, being good to one's parents, being good to the neighbors, being truthful, being honest, being kind, removing something harmful from the road, even staying away from lying, staying away from things is also a good deed. Staying away from things, from things that are, that are haram, is worship in Islam. So, ibadah, worship in Islam, is a comprehensive term. It's not just something that may come to one's mind like in the other languages, such as English, worship, that a person thinks that it means when a person confines himself to a place of worship and he's in prayer. No, but here, as the definition that the scholars they mention, is that worship in Islam is a comprehensive term. It comprises of everything that is pleasing to Allah and everything that He loves. And if you want, you can describe worship and good actions in a different way. 
that worship and good deeds in Islam is that which meets two conditions. The first condition is that any action that is done purely for Allah with ikhlas, with sincerity, and that it is done according to the sunnah of the Prophet then that is worship, and that is good deed. Anything that is done with ikhlas, purely for Allah, anything that is done purely for Allah, good deed that is done purely for Allah, and with mutaba'ah, meaning that one follows the Prophet of Islam, Muhammad Wasallam, in performing that action, then that is worship, and that is good deed. The Imam, he says, وَأَنْوَاعُ الْعِبَادَةِ الَّتِي أَمَرَ اللَّهُ بِهَا مِثْلُ الْإِسْلَامِ وَالْإِيمَانِ وَالْإِحْسَانِ That all the types of worship which Allah commanded with, like Islam, and Iman, and Ihsan. Ihsan means the perfection of worship, to perfect one's worship. These three matters, Islam, Iman, and Ihsan, the Imam will go on to mention them in more detail when discussing the second principle and when discussing the second question which is what is your religion but he continues continues and he says ومنه الدعاء والخوف والرجاء والتوكل والرغبة والرحبة والخشوع والخشية والإنابة والاستعانة والاستعاذة والاستغافة والضبح والنظر وغير ذلك من أنواع العبادة التي أمر الله بها كلها لله تعالى. And from that, meaning from worship, is a dua, to make dua, invocation, supplication. From it is khawf, to have fear of Allah. From it is al-raja, to have hope and longing. Tawakkul, to have trust and reliance in Allah. To have ragba which is to have a strong desire, fervent desire, to have rahbah, which is dread, and another form of khawf, which we'll explain in detail, another form of fear, reverence and humility, khushu'ah, and likewise khashya, to have awe, which again is another type of fear. Likewise, inaba, to turn with repentance to Allah, to repent to Him, al-isti'ana, to seek Allah's aid and assistance. Isti'adha, which means to seek refuge. And al-istighatha, to seek deliverance and rescue. And dhabh, to sacrifice animals. And likewise, nadr, to take vows. And the rest of the different types of worship that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded with, all of it is for Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala and the proof for that is wa anna al-masajid lillah fala tad'u ma'a Allahi ahada and the places of worship are for Allah and so do not tad'u do not invoke make dua do not worship anyone besides Allah faman sarafa minha shay'an li ghayri Allah fa huwa mushrikun kafir whoever directs anything from that worship to others besides Allah, then he is mushrik kafir. He is a, a polytheist, a pagan, one who ascribes partners to Allah. And he is, due to that, kafir. He is a disbeliever. And the Imam, he already established this in the introduction. When he said, Allah la yarda an As we mentioned in the introduction, that Allah is not pleased that Partners are set up with him in his worship. This is clear in the Quran. Many verses where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he mentions this. Likewise, the Imam he mentioned, likewise in the introduction, And the greatest thing, thing that Allah commanded with is a tawheed. And the greatest thing that Allah forbade was a shirk. And there's no need for us to go over again all of those evidences. But it is clear for anyone who looks into Islam, looks into the Quran and the Sunnah, that Tawheed is the greatest thing that Allah called to 
In fact, 13 years in Mecca. 13 years before the obligations. Before all of the other pillars in Islam. Before Salah, before Zakah, before Tzom and Hajj. For 13 years, the Prophet ﷺ, he called to Tawheed. When you look at the Surah, Makkiyah, those Surah and those chapters of the Qur'an that were revealed in Mecca, all of them deal with the issue of Tawheed and warn against making partners with Allah, warn against Ash-Shirk. And the proof for this is his saying, so the Imam continues, وَمَنْ يَدْعُ مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَهًا آخَرَ لَا بُرْحَانَ لَهُ بِهِ فَإِنَّمَا حِسَابُهُ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِ إِنَّهُ لَا يُفْلِحُ الْكَافِرُونَ That whoever makes dua to others besides Allah, whoever makes dua to another God besides Allah, then he has no proof for that. He has no evidence for that. His reckoning is with Allah, with his Lord. إِنَّهُ لَا يُفْلِحُ الْكَافِرُونَ Indeed, the disbelievers shall not prosper. They shall not be successful. So look how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentioned at the beginning, He said, وَمَنْ يَدْعُ مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَهًا آخر. Whoever makes dua to another God besides Allah, and then at the end, إِنَّهُ لَا يُفْلِحُ الْكَافِرُونَ Indeed, the disbelievers shall not prosper, shall not be successful. So, the one who directs dua to others besides Allah, he is from the kafirun, the kafirin. He's from the disbelievers. And in the hadith, الدُّعَا مُخُّ الْعِبَادَةِ The dua is the essence of ibadah, the core of ibadah. This hadith is da'if. However, this hadith is da'if, it's weak. As many of the scholars they mention, but there is another hadith with, an, with the same meaning that is sahih, and we're going to discuss that. Likewise, the saying of the Most High, وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ أَدْعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي سَيْدُخُلُونَ جَهَنَّمَ دَاخِرِينَ And your Lord, He said, أَدْعُونِي Invoke me, make dua to me, call upon me, أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ I shall answer you. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي سَيْدُخُلُونَ جَهَنَّمَ دَاخِرِينَ Indeed, those who are too proud, too proud to worship me, then they will enter the fire دَاخِرِينَ يَعْنِ صَاغِرِينَ Humiliated. Here the shaykh, he brings dua first. He mentions examples of various types of worship, but he brings dua first. Why did he bring dua first? Due to it being from the greatest forms of worship. And that is why he brought the hadith, الدُّعَى مُخُّ الْعِبَادَةِ That dua, making dua is مُخُّ الْعِبَادَةِ It is the essence of worship. However, the hadith is ضعيف. But that which has come authentically from the Prophet ﷺ, is that hadith narrated by Imam Ahmad and Abu Dawood and Tirmidhi and others, and was declared sahih by Shaykh al-Bani, rahimahullah, is ad-du'a huwa al-ibadah. Ad-du'a huwa al-ibadah. Ad-du'a, it is worship. Or, the closest way to translate it is, that worship, all of it is, is du'a. Worship is dua. But does that mean that that's the only form of worship? That here when we say that worship is dua, does it mean that's the only form of worship? No. What it means is that it is from the greatest forms of worship. Just like the hadith where the Messenger of Allah he said about hajj. For in hajj there are many acts of worship. There are rituals such as tawaf, such as staying in Mina, in Muzdalafa, such as sacrificing, many acts of worship. And from them also is standing on Arafah. Standing on Arafah. Many acts of worship. However, the Messenger of Allah, he said, Al-Hajj Arafah. 
Al-Hajj, Arafah. That Hajj, performing Hajj is Arafah. So does this mean now that if you want to perform Hajj, all you need to do is stand on Arafah? No. What it means is it is from the greatest of rituals and from the greatest acts of worship in Hajj. Yani A'adham Rukn or Rukn al-A'adham. It is the greatest pillar in Hajj. And so likewise, Al-Dua huwa al-Ibadah. The Dua is the, from the greatest forms of worship. And Dua, Dua, ayyul ikhwa, is of two types. As the scholars they mention, uh, Shaykh Ubaid, Hafidhullah, and Shaykh Salih Fawzan, and many others they explain that Dua is of two types. Dua al-Mas'ala and Dua al-Ibadah. Dua al-Mas'ala, meaning the Dua, when, when a person asks Allah for something. Dua al-Mas'ala. And then there is Dua al-Ibadah. And that is when a person carries out different acts of worship. When a person prays, for example, or when he recites Qur'an, when he recites Surah Al-Fatiha, or any other Surah in the Qur'an, when a person makes dhikr, and he makes the adhkar, then although he is not directly asking for something, then it is like a dua. Meaning, it is as though he is asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reward him, and to forgive him, through him performing those acts of worship. So, that is dua al-ibadah. Two types. Dua al-mas'ala, the dua of asking, and dua al-ibadah, the dua of ibadah. Of worship. What we must know is that this dua, it's worship. It is worship. And we have been created to direct all our worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And so if we know that dua is worship, then we must direct that to Allah alone. And if we were to direct it to others besides Allah, then that is a shirk and kufr. Likewise with every other action of worship now that the imam is going to bring. Look how the two verses that the Imam he brought, that Allah clearly mentions that directing this dua to others besides Allah or being too proud in asking Allah, making dua to Him, then it is disbelief and will cause a person to enter the fire. We mentioned it before. وَمَن يَدْعُ مَا اللَّهِ إِلَهًا آخَرٍ لَا بُرْحَانَ لَهُ بِهِ فَإِنَّمَا هِسَابُهُ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِ إِنَّهُ لَا يُفْلِحُ الْكَافِرُونَ so Allah said, kafirun, disbelievers. Likewise in the, in the second verse, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He ordered, He ordered us to make dua to Him. And here, some of the scholars, they explained this verse, وَقَالَ رَبَّكُمْ أَدْعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ With both dua, dua al-mas'ala and dua al-ibadah. So those who said that here, the dua here in this, in this verse, وَقَالَ رَبَّكُمْ أُدْعُونِي From the word dua. Some of them said that this is dua al-mas'ala. وَقَالَ رَبَّكُمْ أُدْعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ So here, if it is dua of asking mas'ala, then أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ means أَعْطِكُمْ then I will give you. Some of them explained it to mean dua al ibadah. So if we say that here is dua al ibadah, يعني وقال ربكم ادعوني يعني اعبدوني worship me. Then استجيب لكم now becomes اثبكم. I will reward you. I will reward you. And so the point being that anyone who directs dua to others besides Allah, then that is disbelief. Shaykh Salah al-Fawzan, hafidhullah, he mentioned that the people are of three types concerning dua. The first, the one who doesn't make dua to Allah. The one who refuses to make dua to Allah. And so he is mustakbir. An ibadatillah. He is mustakbir. 
he is haughty and proud. He's too proud to worship Allah. Disbeliever. The second type of person is the one who makes dua to Allah, but he makes dua to others alongside Allah. So he makes dua to the angels or to the prophets or to the dead people, to the righteous people. So he is a mushrik. He is a mushrik. One who makes partners with Allah. And the third person is the one who makes the, makes dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And he is muwahid. He is the muwahid. The one who makes this tawheed. Who singles out Allah alone. Who carries out his purpose in his creation. As for al-khawf. Fear. It's the imam. Then he mentions... After mentioning dua, and from worship is dua, then he mentions, and from worship also is al-khawf, which means to have fear of Allah. It is also of two types. Khawf al-tabi'i, that's the first, that natural fear that a person has. And then, khawf al-ibadah, that khawf and that fear of worship. As for the natural fear, that is when you fear something that is apparent and known, that it can harm you. Like if you were to fear a snake, or a scorpion, or a lion, or an enemy. And this is something that is well known, that they can harm you. And you have the natural fear from them. This is not shirk. This is not shirk. As Shaykh Salah al-Fawzan, he mentions. But rather, what is requested from you is to take the means. So you take a stick to protect yourself from the snake, from the scorpion. And you take a weapon against the enemy. As for the lion, uh, you just run. Lion, you gotta run. But what is requested, as we mentioned, is that you take the means. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions about Musa alayhi salam, فَخَرَجَ مِنْهَا خَائِفَةً After he killed a man, Musa alayhi salam, after he killed a man, فَخَرَجَ مِنْهَا خَائِفَةً He fled, he ran from that place, خَائِفَةً in fear. And he, he went to Madian. He went to Madian, a different place. And he feared that they would follow him and catch him. So this is a natural fear. There's nothing wrong with this fear. But as for the fear of worship, khawf al-ibadah, then that is for Allah alone. And if it, if it is directed to other than Allah, then that is a shirk. That is a shirk. And that is by you fearing other than Allah in something that none has control over except for Allah. Like if you were to fear from a person that he can bring about some illness or cause you to become ill. Or that he can take your soul. Or that he can bring about death. That he can bring about death to your child. Like some do with the jinn. They fear that the jinn can bring about death to the, to the child that is in the womb of his wife. That's what, that was mentioned by Sheikh Salah al-Fawzan. And the proof for al-khawf is the saying of Allah, فَلَا تَخَافُوهُمْ وَخَافُونِي إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ So don't, do not fear them. Do not fear them, but fear me. إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ If indeed you are believers. Likewise, al-raja. Al-raja is an act of worship, which is to long and hope for, which is to have longing and hope for that which is with Allah, that He can and will bring about good, and that which benefits you, and that you hope in His reward and His bounties. And again, it is of two types. Al-Raja is of two types. The Raja, which is Mubah, which is allowed, permissible, allowed. And that is that you hope from someone, from a person, that he will give you a loan, for example. 
you hope that he'll give you a loan. This is okay, this is not shirk. That you hope that so-and-so person, that he will give you a loan, or give you something that he can help you with. And then you have the raja, which is mamnu'ah, which is forbidden. That hope and that longing, which is forbidden. And that is that you hope from someone, something that none can bring about except for Allah. Such as removing an illness, or to send down rain, or to bless you with a child. This type of raja, hope and longing is for Allah alone. And the proof for al-raja is, فَمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُوا لِقَاءَ رَبِّهِ فَلْيَعْمَلْ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا وَلَا يُشْرِكْ بِعِبَادَةِ رَبِّهِ أَحَدًا And whoever hopes for the meeting with his Lord, then let him work righteous actions and let him not ascribe anyone as a partner with his Lord in, his, in, in that worship. In his worship. The Imam continues and he says, the proof for tawakkul, the proof for tawakkul is the saying, or he's saying the most high, وَعَلَى اللَّهِ فَتَوَكَّلُوا إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ And put your trust and reliance in Allah, if indeed you are believers, if you truly are believers, then put your trust and reliance in Allah. وَمَنْ يَتَوَكَّلَ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَهُوَ حَسْبُهُ Whoever places his reliance and trust in Allah, then he will suffice him. Two verses that the, that the Imam he brings. Sheikh Salih Al-Fawzan, Hafidhullah, he says, التوكل هو الاعتماد على الله وتفويض الأمور إليه That tawakkul means to have reliance, to depend on Allah. وتفويض الأمور إليه And to, to relegate one's affairs to him. And to trust Allah with one's affairs. So tawakkul, the shaykh he mentions, is from the greatest acts of worship. Allah made it a condition of iman. He made it a condition of iman. When he said, وَعَلَى اللَّهِ فَتَوَكَّلُوا إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ If indeed you are believers, if you have iman, then put your trust and reliance in Allah. And from Allah's name is Al-Wakil. From Allah's name is Al-Wakil. يعني المَوْكُولِ إِلَيْهِ أُمُورِ عِبَادِهِ The one who is entrusted and depended upon, and relied upon. And the one who the affairs are relegated to. That is the meaning of Al-Wakil. The proof for Al-Raghba and Al-Rahba and Khushu' Al-Raghba meaning fervent desire, يعني like a strong desire. Al-Rahba, which is dread, another form of fear. And Khushu' which means humility. The proof for that is Qawluhu Ta'ala, the saying of Allah the Most High, إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا يُسَارِعُونَ فِي الْخَيْرَاتِ وَيَدْعُونَنَا رَغَبًا وَرَحَبًا وَكَانُوا لَنَا خَاشِعِينَ They used to hasten, they used to rush to acts of obedience to Allah. And they used to worship us وَيَدْعُونَنَا And they used to worship us with fervent desire and with fear and they were humble before us. Al-Raghba, the meaning of Raghba is طلب الشيء المحمود is to desire something praiseworthy from Allah. That's the meaning of Raghba. To desire something praiseworthy, something good from Allah. Rahba, the meaning of this is خوف من الشيء المرحوب to fear and to have dread from something harmful. Al-Khushu' The meaning of khushu' is khudur, is to be submissive and to be humble. And so all of these three are to be directed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. 
the proof for khashya, qawluhu ta'ala, the evidence for having awe and dread, and again, this is another type of fear, is, فَلَا تَخْشَوْهُمْ وَخْشَوْنِي So do not have awe of them, but have awe of me. Al-Khashya is a type of fear. As the scholars, they say. And it is a f- type of fear. Khawf yushabuhu al-ta'zim. It's another form of fear. Khawf yushabuhu al-ta'zim. Fear that is accompanied with ta'zim. Magnification, to magnify Allah. That's the meaning of khashya. When a person has fear of Allah, at the same time magnifying Him. And so when, for example, when a person now, he may fear a ruler. He may fear a ruler. He may fear him. But he doesn't magnify him. Whereas, with Allah, we fear Him and magnify Him. We fear and magnify Him. The proof for Inaba. And Inaba, ayyul ikhwa, is the same meaning as Tawbah. As Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan, he mentions At-Tawbah wal-Inaba bima'na wahid. At-Tawbah and Inaba bima'na wahid. With the same meaning, has the same meaning. So the proof for that is, وَأَنِيبُوا إِلَى رَبِّكُمْ وَأَسْلِمُوا لَهُ So turn to your Lord in repentance and submit yourselves to Him. So turn to Allah in repentance and submit yourself to Him. وَأَسْلِمُوا لَهُ From Islam, when we say Islam, وَأَسْلِمُوا from, This is the verb of Islam. Islam is the noun. أَسْلِمُوا أَسْلِمْ That is the verb. If you say to someone, أَسْلِمْ means become Muslim. أَسْلِمْ so here, وَأَسْلِمُوا لَهُ And submit yourselves to him. This shows to you the wrong translation of many people when they say Islam means peace. Islam means peace. No, Islam means submission. To submit to Allah with... With what? Tawheed. To submit to Allah with Tawheed. Yes, the root of Islam, the scene, the lamb and the meme, has salam, peace, has its roots. In those three letters. But the meaning of Islam and the meaning of Aslim, Aslimu is to submit oneself to Allah with Tawheed. The proof of Al-Isti'ana. And Al-Isti'ana means Talab Al-Awn. Talab Al-Awn. To seek aid and help. The proof of that is that which we recite every single day with every single prayer. إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ you alone we worship, and you alone we seek aid. With you alone we seek aid. And likewise in the hadith, If you seek aid, and if you were to seek aid, then seek aid in Allah. That's the meaning of it, to seek aid. And it is again of two types. Okay, so the first type, is al-isti'ana bi-shay' la yaqdir alayhi illallah that to seek aid in something or someone that none can help you with except for Allah and to direct this to others besides Allah then that is ash-shirk and the second type is al-isti'ana fi ma yaqdir alayhi al-makhluq the second type is to seek aid in someone, in that which he can help you with. And so if you want to build a wall, for example, and you ask someone, help me build this wall, that's permissible. If you ask someone to help you with your luggage, something permissible. The proof for al-isti'adha, wa dalil al-isti'adha, the proof for seeking refuge. Qawluhu ta'ala, قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ the proof for seeking refuge is قُلْ Say, the verse, say I seek refuge with the Lord of the dawn. وَقُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ أَفْوَنْ وَقُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ And I seek refuge 
with the Lord of mankind. The meaning of al-isti'adha is طلب الالتجاء إلى من يمنعك من المحذور. This is the meaning of al-isti'adha. That you seek refuge and protection. You seek refuge and protection. إلى من يمنعك من المحذور. You seek refuge and protection with someone who can prevent and protect you from something harmful. That's the meaning. So when you seek refuge in Allah from the shaitan, you're seeking refuge with Allah who can protect you from the harms of shaitan, of a shaitan. And the Arabs, the Arabs in the days of Jahiliyyah, they used to, whenever they used to descend upon a place, when they would come to a place, anywhere in the earth, then one of them they would say, أعوذ بسيد هذا الوادي أعوذ بسيد هذا الوادي That I seek refuge with the Sayyid, with the master of this valley. Meaning, كبير الجن Meaning from the leader of the jinn in that valley. يعني, as Shaykh Salih Fawzan, he mentions, يستعيذ به من شر سفهاء قومي That he would seek refuge with the jinn from the evil of the foolish people, of that community, or of that people. The Arabs in their jahiliyyah, they would seek refuge with the jinn. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentioned in Surah Jinn, Surah Al-Jinn, when the jinn, when they heard the Qur'an, and they said, وَأَنَّهُ رِجَالٌ مِّنَ الْإِنسِ يَعُوذُونَ بِرِجَالٍ مِّنَ الْجِنِّ that some men from amongst the mankind, men from amongst mankind, they would seek refuge in the jinn. And so the Prophet ﷺ, he rejected this. He rejected this and replaced that by saying, مَن نَزَلَ مَنْزِلًا فَقَالَ أَعُوذُ بِكَلِمَاتِ اللَّهِ تَامَّاتِ مِنْ شَرِّ مَا خَلَقَ that whoever, whenever he descends upon a place, when he comes, when you visit a new place, when you come to a village or a town, that if you say, أعوذ بكلمات الله التامّاتي, I seek refuge in the perfect and complete words of Allah, من شر ما خلق, from the evil that he created, لم يضره شيء حتى يرتحل من منزله ذلك. That nothing will harm him up until he leaves that place. A great dua, oh brothers, that we should memorize. How easy is it for you to memorize that? That if you, you never know, in this country, if you go to a new town, somewhere you've never been before, that you make this dua, that Allah will protect you. Allah will protect you. This is not a land, the land of the Muslims. If you go somewhere, and in these times, in these times, memorize this dua. Whenever you go to a new place, you make this dua. The proof for al-istighafah, the proof for al-istighafah, which means to seek rescue and deliverance, is the saying of Allah the Most High, إِذْ تَسْتَغِيثُونَ رَبَّكُمْ فَاسْتَجَابَ لَكُمْ and when you sought aid and deliverance of your Lord, and He responded to you. The meaning of al-istighatha, the meaning of al-istighatha is talab al-ghawth. Talab al-ghawth is to seek rescue and deliverance. وَلَا تَكُونْ إِلَّا عِنْدَ Because you can say, what's the, what's the difference between this and istighatha and isti'ana? Isti'ana, we said, is seeking aid. When you seek deliverance and rescue, you could say that's seeking aid. But istighatha is لا تكون إلا إلا عند الشدة. Istighatha is not except when you're in a dire situation. Shidda. In a difficult, very difficult situation. Al-istighatha, that's the meaning. And that is also of two types. 
The first type is that which none can deliver from and rescue except for Allah. Whoever seeks, for example, help from the jinn, or men who are absent or dead, then that is a shirk. And if anyone who does that with the jinn, with men, or with the dead, then that is a shirk. The second type of al-istighatha is to seek deliverance and rescue with someone who is living. Hey, he is alive. Hadir, he's present. He's there with you. And Qadir, and he's able to help you. In this situation, you're able, you're allowed to seek istighatha with this person. If, with these three things, if he is hay, he is alive, which rules out uh, the one who is dead. The one who is hadr, present, which rules out the one who is absent, the one who is not there, even if he's alive. In a different country, some imam, some peer, but a person can't make istighatha with him if he's not present, has to be present. And the third, he's able, qadir, he's able, has the ability, he has the ability to help you, which rules out inability, the one who's not able to help you. And the proof for adhabh, the proof for slaughtering, qawluhu ta'ala, قُلْ إِنَّ صَلَاتِي وَنُسُكِي وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَمَاتِي لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ وَبِذَلِكَ أُمَرْتْ وَأَنَا أَوَّلِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَأَنَا أَوَّلِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ And this is his proof. This is, a, this is proof for الذبح, which means to sacrifice, sacrifice an animal. قُلْ إِنَّ صَلَاتِي Say that my, that my prayers and my sacrifice, my living and my dying, are all purely and solely for Allah. Lord of all creation, there is no share of any of that for other than Him. sunnah, And in the sunnah, there has come the hadith which is in Sahih Muslim and other places. May He be cursed. May He be cursed, the one who slaughters for other than Allah. A slaughtering that is done. على وجه التقرب والتعذيم لا يجوز إلا الله. Because slaughtering, you can slaughter an animal and it is not due to ta'zim. You can slaughter an animal out of magnification to Allah. And to become come close to Allah. Like in the days of hajj. However, you could slaughter an animal just purely to eat the animal. But the slaughtering of an animal which is done with taqarrub to seek nearness and ta'zim to magnify then that is not done for anyone except for Allah so it's not done to to the rulers or to anyone of high position to to the righteous people that is solely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to do that for any to add to anyone other than Allah then that is ash-shirk al-akbar it is the greatest shirk, the great, the great form of shirk which expels a person outside of the fold of Islam. As for another, which is to take a vow, then this is to make binding on oneself something that the Sharia did not make binding upon him, and it is something that is makruh, as the scholars they say. Another is makruh; it's disliked. It's disliked that a person takes a vow. However. Once he takes, he makes the vow, it is obligatory upon him to fulfill it. Meaning, if a person says, I'm going to fast. I vow to fast uh, uh, every Monday, for example, or uh, 10 days of this month. Whatever he vows to give in charity. It's disliked. Why? Because he's made something obligatory upon himself, which the Sharia, Sharia didn't make obligatory upon him. So it's disliked, as the scholars they say. However, once he does it, then it becomes obligatory upon him to do it. 
So if a person, if he was to vow to fast or to give in charity, it becomes binding upon him to do that. As for if he vows things to other than Allah, like if he was to vow to a grave or to an idol, then that is another ma'asiyah and shirk. That is another vow, a sinful vow, and a vow that is one of shirk. And here, he doesn't carry that out. As the Messenger of Allah وسلم, he said, مَن نَذَرْ أَن يُطِيعَ أَن يُطِيعَ اللَّهِ فَالْيُطِعَ وَمَن نَذَرْ أَن يَعْسِيَ اللَّهِ فَلَا يَعْسِيَ That whoever takes a vow to obey Allah, then let him obey Allah. Let him do that. Let him carry out that vow. And whoever takes a vow to disobey Allah, فَلَا يَعْسِيَ Then he doesn't carry that out. If you take a vow to, dis- to disobey Allah, then it is not allowed for you to do that. And the proof of another is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, يُوفُونَ بِالنَّذَرُ وَيَخَافُونَ يَوْمًا كَانَ شَرُّهُمْ مُسْتَطِيرًا They fulfill their vows and they fear, they fear a day. وَيَخَافُونَ يَوْمًا And they fear a day whose evil is widespread. And that is, that is uh, the end of the first principle and the first question and in the next class we will go on to the second question which is Madinuk. what is your religion I want to finish with a, a quick reminder for indeed the nights are still cold the nights are still cold and it's difficult for a person how easy is it for a person to stay at home and I see that alhamdulillah Jazakumullah khairan you are eager to learn your religion. For you left your homes. It's easy on these cold nights. When it's cold and dark outside. And it's bright and warm in your homes. To say, I'm just going to stay at home. How many, nowadays, especially nowadays, with broadcasting. How, how easy is it for a person to say, I will listen from home. I will benefit from home. And alhamdulillah, for those who have a, a genuine reason, then, you know, alhamdulillah, they can still benefit. But no doubt, it is still better. No doubt, it is still better that a person, he leaves his home, that warm home, he comes for the sake of Allah, to learn his religion. And he comes, and the benefit is not just, you can get the same benefit, yes, by listening. But there are those benefits, that you don't get, by staying at home. When you come to the masjid, you pray. You see your brothers, the angels, they, they, they make dua for those who are here. You see your brothers. You give salam to them. They give salam back to you. They make dua for you. And you're rewarded. And you are regarded as talib ilm. You are regarded as a student of knowledge. One who is, is, who is seeking to learn his religion. And everything that we are studying is so that we prepare for that day. These three questions, everything that we're doing in our lives, what is more important than that moment that will come upon every single one of us? Death. And we're going to be faced with these three questions. What is more important that a person says, Oh, I can't come. I can't make it. Because I've got something very serious that I've got going on. Someone ill? Someone died? And it's all connected to death. It's all connected to death. What's more serious than your death? What's more serious than your death and you preparing for that moment? Look at the salaf. I want to finish with this, this narration that Imam Dhahbi he mentions or the, in the short biography of Amr ibn Abdullah ibn Zubair ibn al-Awwam that I read very recently and I want to share with the brothers. And you see an example of the salaf and how they were in, how they used to worship Allah until that point of death, right until that point of death. Firstly, Amr ibn Abdullah ibn Zubair ibn al-Awam. Firstly, who is he? He is the son of Abdullah ibn Zubair. Abdullah ibn Zubair was the son of Asma bin Abi Bakr. The daughter of Abu Bakr. The son 
of Zubair. Abdullah ibn Zubair ibn Awam. Both of them companions. Zubair ibn Awam. Ibn Awam. Abdullah, he was from the Sigar of the Sahaba, from the young ones, from the young of the, the young ones from the companions. In fact, he was the first Mawlud in Medina after the Hijrah. When after the migration, after the Muslims migrated from Mecca to Medina, he was the first Muslim to be born. Abdullah, Abdullah. So, which makes him? What's his relationship to to Abu Bakr? Hmm? Grandson. Ahsantum, grandson. Abdullah had a son, Amr. What's his relationship now to Abu Bakr? Great grandson. So now you know who Amr is. Amr bin Abdullah bin Zubair ibn Awam. On his deathbed, he was on his deathbed. Imam Al-Dhahbi, he mentions this in Sir Alam al-Nabula, in his biography. Very short. And he mentions he was from the Ubad from those who were known for their worship. He's, he says that when he was on his deathbed, that they were around him. Those who were around him, they were with him. And he, he heard the adhan. And he said, he was very weak. And he said, take me by the hand and take me to the masjid. And they said, how are you going to go to the masjid and you're in this state? And he said, Asma' da'i Allah. I hear the call, the caller to Allah, the one giving the adhan, and I'm not going to respond. And so they took him by his hands, and it was Salat al-Maghrib. Salat al-Maghrib. Took him by the hand, by the hands, and they brought him to the masjid, and the imam was praying Salat al-Maghrib. The first raka'ah, he made the first raka'ah, and then, when he went into sujood, he died. He went into sujood and he died. All the way, look how they were attached to the masjid, even at the point on at the point of death, attached to the masjid. So, alhamdulillah, jazakumullah khairan ayyul ikhwa. Indeed, it is you know it is a difficult time, winter, cold, and a time now where many people they neglect. The houses of Allah, they neglect the masjid. You can come, you can pray. At the very least, if you can't make it, if you live far, then once a week for a lesson, twice a week for you to learn your religion, for you to learn that which is going to benefit you in the grave.